I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. In 2015, San Francisco police shot and killed Mario Woods, who they suspected of stabbing another person. Even then, the story that unfolded was becoming painfully common. A cell phone recorded the scene as a distraught Woods was shot more than 20 times, a disturbing display of aggression that was decried in the Black community and also across the state. That shooting led to demonstrations, murals, sidewalk shrines. It also led to calls to reform the way San Francisco's police department uses force. San Francisco Chronicle investigative reporter Joaquin Palomino delved into police data to see if it's gotten any better since the Mario Woods killing. He's joining me today alongside Megan Casti, who wrote today about the aggressive reform proposals released by Mayor London Breed. I want to start with you, Joaquin. So you're our data specialist at The Chronicle, and you've done a lot of work researching a variety of racial disparities. And notably, you were one of the lead writers on our Vanishing Violence investigation, and that showed, despite record drops in violent youth crime, not much had changed about incarcerating children, and particularly black and brown children. That investigation is on sfchronicle.com. You also started looking into the data of use of force investigations. So what did you find when you looked at that data? Um, so yes, as a data reporter at The Chronicle, I've been tasked with looking at police data now for for many, many years. Um, and I mean, everywhere this is the case, but but really sort of notably in San Francisco as well, there's always these really, really wide racial disparities in sort of all sorts of interactions between police and the public. So whether it's stops, searches, and as you mentioned, use of force as well. Um, and so, yeah, I looked at uh, about five years of data uh, looking at use of force incidents, which can include you know, an officer pointing a firearm at somebody, um, officer pepper spraying someone or using really any sort of physical restraints or physical force on an individual. Um, And sort of saw two main things. On the one hand, use of force incidents have gone way down over the past five years or so. And that's largely attributed to these reform efforts that began after the killing of Mario Woods and and a a racist text messaging scandal um, from 2015. Uh, But the disparities in sort of who police were using force on have remained more or less the same over that time period. So in San Francisco, about 45% of use of force incidents in 2019 involved African-American people. Uh, Blacks in the city make up about 5% of the city's population. So really big differences there. Um, That proportion has remained more or less the same since 2016. I mean, that's a huge disparity to only have about a a city that's 5% African-American, which in and of itself is just something that's crazy and and sort of an only in San Francisco thing, but then to have almost half of the use of uh, force incidents happen against those people. What what do the people in charge say about that? How do they defend it? So, uh, yeah, I spoke with San Francisco Police Department and they... Uh, you know, race sort of this whole constellation of factors that can contribute to these disparities. And one that they really owed, owned up to was uh, potential bias among police officers, which can influence how they interact with the public. Um, you know, it should be noted that 
These same disparities exist in arrests as well. Really, uh, all sorts of metrics, you, you see these really glaring disparities specifically impacting the Black community in the city. And how how do you fix an implicit bias? I mean, what you're essentially saying is there are a huge number of our officers who are racist. I mean, am I am I going too far in that? And how, how do you fix a racist if they're in such an amazing position of power over people? So the department has done a lot of trainings, um, and a lot of this stemmed from a Department of Justice inquiry in 2016, uh, which found sort of institutional bias uh, within the department. Um, and and that's that was launched after the killing of Mario Woods and also after, as I mentioned, the, the racist, sexist, and homophobic text messages were revealed among certain officers. Um, and so the department has implemented sort of a number of bias trainings. Um, they've also revised their use of force policies to really try and make it so that force is used as a last resort. Um, and, and the numbers do show that use force incidents are way down. It's just addressing these disparities seems to be undoable, at least, or has been over the past, you know, five years, but probably also, also much longer. So the, the Department of Justice review, they had something like almost 300 recommended changes, if I'm remembering Mm -hmm. right. How many has San Francisco and the police department actually completed? So, yeah, there were 272 recommended changes that came out of this in, or this investigation by the DOJ. Um, to date, 61 of those have been completed. 50 are pending. And, and those they're sort of waiting for requests from the evaluators for a different, additional information um, to, to hopefully clear those out as well. That's still not even half. Why is it taking so long? Um, honestly, I, I, I don't know why it's taking so long. It <laughs> is. I'm yelling at you. Why is it taking so long? But I mean, you have to, I, I really, I, I empathize with particularly our, our black and brown neighbors who just say, this is, this is not good enough. And Megan, you wrote a story today about new, uh, initiatives that mayor breed is suggest suggesting, do do the people in City Hall have any better answer for why this is taking so long? No. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad we're all on the yeah. same page about that at least. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, but I but I have to say, uh, not maybe not for the recording. I, I don't think I, uh, we specifically asked that question. Um, so. Yeah, no, I guess is a better answer. <laughs> well, so what what is what is the mayor suggesting happen now? Okay, so she gave, uh, today laid out a very uh, broad outline of what she would like to see happen. Her her vision, um, and so there it's there's um, four points that she has. Uh, one is that, and what I think is probably the biggest one is that it would really like change the day-to-day routine for police officers um, that in San Francisco especially are a lot of times dealing with mental health calls and homelessness calls. Uh, This would instead direct funding to uh, like community programs um, to have maybe like some crisis intervention people uh, respond to those types of incidents instead. Uh, The other other calls for action are uh, to fortify police accountability policies, uh, ban the use of military-grade weapons, and then to also divert funding to communities of color. 
So is that what the police chief, uh, Chief Scott, says he's okay with when he's okay with quote-unquote defunding the police? Is that where the money for this comes from? Um, essentially, yes. Um, and I think that the the chief speaks for a lot of the officers that I, that I have talked to who are more than happy to not deal with the homelessness issues um, and the mental health issues because they they really do realize that that is not their area of expertise. I want to talk a little bit more. Let's talk specifically about the homeless issue. But but first, let's take a break. I'll be right back after this. Megan, before we went to break, we were talking about the mayor's proposal in San Francisco to have uh, fewer um, instances where police officers have to respond to um, calls about non-criminal activity. And specifically, one of the things that you said the police chief and the officers were excited about is not responding to calls on homelessness. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how that would work because Every time I've called 311, seen somebody in distress, more times than not, the first thing they ask me is, does the person have any drugs on or near them? And most of the time they do, and they won't send a member of the hot team, the homeless services team, to people like that. They will only send police officers. So when that seems to be the majority of 311 calls, or at least I assume it's a high percentage of calls, how do you keep the police from, who would respond to it then? Yeah, and I think a lot of these details uh, are I think that the tougher decisions are going to have to be hammered out in the details, which will be from the city departments and for, and from the police commission who are tasked with um, really making the policy, act with actually making the policies for the department. And what does the police union say about all of this? Because the, the union is, um, like they are in many cities, I would say notoriously... Um, uh, vocal, let's say vocal, about what they think about various policies. Um, confrontational, combative might be another one. Uh, we famously last year had an incident on election night where one of the city supervisors, Sandra Fewer, led everybody in a chant of F the police, except they weren't just saying the word <laughs> F. Um, it, the police union looms large over a lot of these issues. Where do they come down on this? The, you know, this one was actually very surprising for me. Um, I've, I've been on this beat for just a couple weeks now, and um, I have never uh, asked for a comment from the police union that didn't have a fiery quote in it. And they are uh, actually very receptive to, to the mayor's uh, proposals. Um, the uh, the uh, POA chief, Tony, Tony Montoya, called it a very uh, reasonable plan um, and said that they are looking forward to working with the mayor on it. Megan, the other the other question I have is, you know, if even if some of this money for doing these programs and hiring more social workers and getting police out of the work of dealing with people who are in distress, but not necessarily a criminal point of view, um, we're facing a massive budget deficit. Is there enough money in the police department's budget to fund what we think we need to do? There is a lot of money in the police budget. Uh, we were we were just looking at that today. Uh, in, in the last 10 years, the police budget has exploded by about 58 percent. 
Uh, it's up to, uh, I believe, 700 million now. Um, the city is, uh, is asking for uh, 10% across the board cuts. Uh, San Francisco Police Commission actually just last, yesterday turned down uh, what would have only been about a 3% cut. Uh, but I think short answer, yes, the, the police, the police budget does have, um, has a large purse. Joaquin, one of the other things that seems very clear from the data is that there are specific communities in San Francisco that have more calls for service than other communities that lead to potential use of force, uh, by police officers. What did the activists that you spoke to say about that? Yeah, so so the the police department. One thing they've noted is that you know there a lot of the interactions with um, you know members of the public. A lot of calls for service are coming from um, you know certain communities, largely Black and Latino communities. Um, and and so with more interactions with the public, there's more potential for you know a search or or, or, or things to escalate uh, for for use of force to be used. Um, a lot of the advocates I spoke to sort of said that doesn't explain the issue that doesn't sort of explain away this this problem that you know in a lot of cases force does not need to be used um and it still appears to be used unjustifiably in some cases um so yeah i mean if you look at, at the use of force data a lot of the the incidents are in are in bayview district mission district um tenderloin those are sort of the three police districts that that had the most uh, at least in the first few months of 2020 as well as in 2019 Thank you both for all of your work, and uh, we look forward to your next story on this. Thanks, Audrey. Bye. Thanks for having us. I'd like to thank Megan Cassidy and Joaquin Palomino for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.